And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. everyone and welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, I'm a shaggy dog and Casey's got a haircut. <laughs> How'd you do that? I know. First one in the salon. Boy, nice to have connections. <laughs> yeah, I'm, the, I'm their safe. best customer. Uh, folks, we have a very busy show today, an important show. Uh, we're going to kick off with an interview from Italy, which makes me very happy to find out a little bit about how things are going up in northern Italy. Uh, they were hit so hard uh, by COVID-19, and uh, they're rebounding uh, much as we are. So we'll talk with Clemens Legator from Alois Legator. Uh, then on to an even bigger issue in uh, B.C., and Tossinson joins us. From the BC Restaurant Association, Casey, we're going to talk about this slow uh, opening up of BC restaurants. Have you I, been in one yet? I haven't, Tony, but I, I'm walking by them. And, You're walking um, by them. All the all the chains are open. The upscale chains, which I yep. think have very good COVID nineteen protocols. So we'll talk about uh, how restaurants are going to open up, what it's going to be like, or what you might expect. And then uh, Mike Daly joins us from the District Wine Village, uh, still underway, uh, planning to open later this year in the South Okanagan. This is a very cool project in which uh, there will be room for a number of new wineries to open in one location. Uh, Something like the ghetto that they have down in Compton, California, where all these wineries share uh, sites and uh, it's going to be fun so we'll catch up with Mike and talk about that and uh, lots of food and wine and uh, maybe we'll have time to mention our newsletter at Gizmoni on Wine comes out tomorrow Casey with a big cheese story on it great uh, that's it now uh, hold on to your seats we'll be right back Clemens Legator live from Alto Adige in northern Italy there's more to come this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Mount Boucherie Estate Winery may be closed for the time being, but that doesn't mean you don't have access to their amazing wines. Check out their open online store today for fantastic curbside specials. Right now, get a 20% local discount on feature wines. Wine Club members, you get a 30% discount. And don't forget they offer free shipping in BC and Alberta on all case orders. For more information, awesome deals, and updated developments, please visit mtboucherie.com. Calling all winemakers, craft brewers, cider makers, or artisan distillers. Canada's first wine village is coming, and you could be a part of it. Located at the gateway to Canada's wine capital in Oliver, the village provides turnkey, low-capital production facilities that are available for lease starting now. But with space for only 16 artisan producers, the time to act is now to be part of history and start crafting your unique story. To learn more, visit districtwinevillage.com. 
Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're really excited today to finally uh, strike out across the oceans, in fact, uh, to Italy. Uh, to speak with an Italian wine grower uh, who lives way up north. His name is Clemens Legator, and of course he's part of the famous Eloise Legator family. Clemens, how are you today? Very well. Thank you, Anthony and Casey, for, for inviting me. It's so it's so exciting for us to have a chance to talk to you and to catch up a bit. And uh, I guess I want to ask how your family is to start with and how everybody in Italy is making out uh, with this crazy pandemic. Uh, it's just strange. I think you Globally speaking, uh, I don't know, it's completely strange uh, situation. I mean, I think also here in northern Italy, we were probably affected a little bit harder than maybe in other parts. We, in the in Antonijets, which is the northernest region in, in Italy, we might, we are probably a little bit safer here, but I think a little bit further south in Lombardia and, and or Piemonte, or it's, it's a, what a hard time. I think um, yeah. now people start to, to, Yes, uh, I think life starts to get a little bit uh, what as, as near as what people might call normal, but I think still a little bit, yeah, slowly, yeah. slowly, I would say we get there. And Maybe what we are used to, but you're staying in your own region, then, Clemens. I'm saying I'm here now in my own region since uh, ma- uh, since March. I think my last trip was to U.S. and then just. A couple of days before the lockdown, I was able to ca- able, able to to come back and, and spend at least a quarantine in in, in uh, to Andy, yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank goodness. We, uh, <laughs> I, I was mentioning to you that uh, things are just beginning to open up in Vancouver. You have a rather famous restaurant right at the winery, uh, which is part yeah. of uh, a, a very big part of what you guys are doing there. And so have you changed a lot in that, or is it people sitting outdoors? How are you approaching that? You know that we are here in Paradise, we are extremely um, uh, lucky, I would say, because we have quite a a, a big courtyard. So we can spread out the tables and we're able to um, invite or have guests and and, um, follow the rules or the the, the rules in a certain way. And I would say... As, as Paradise, as the, the restaurant, which is called Paradise, we are kind uh, of lucky. The only problem is that we are always focused on, or our guests, I would say, are maybe 80% um, tourists. Just that mm-hmm. borders are still closed, so the, there's not that much to do. But it was a slow um, slow restart, which I think is important. And as a restaurant, especially in a small town as Magres, you have also a, a cultural um, how could you say responsibility maybe and yep. uh, even though we knew that it's not going to be from an economical point of view interesting to open up last week we decided nonetheless to do it anyway because I think it's important to have a little bit of the feeling of life coming back I think this yeah. is an extremely important impulse and an extremely important uh, point about uh, the restart again well, I think we know that uh, uh, life in particular is a big part of biodynamics. It's a big part of uh, what you guys are all about at, at Legator. How are the vineyards and, and uh, how are the, I, I assume that uh, everything is carrying on in the vineyards as if nothing has happened? 
Yeah, this was actually, again, here we are lucky again because we are um, farmers. We are, we are working with agriculture and especially the months March, April, uh, May, June. Now these months, our um, nature is, is growing out uh, as, as hell. And, and, it's a, and we needed, we were forced in a certain way to, to move on as, as nothing would happen. No? So we are, we are advantages because we were able to, to carry on outside. And I was also, I was, of course, all my friends were, were at home in quarantine and I were I was I was able to go out there and, and work at least in the vineyards and this was uh, of course you could if you would be afraid of COVID it was uh, would be a, a pain but I think um, in a certain way for me it was a good a good chance to go out there yeah, our guest is uh, Clemens Legator. We're talking to him. He's speaking to us from uh, Alto Adige, from the property at Alois Legator. Uh, Clemens, it's hard to explain biodynamics in such a short period of time, but you you guys are very connected to the earth. Why have you put so much energy into uh, the biodynamic process when it comes to making wines and growing wines, I guess? I think because as farmer, you have a certain responsibility also for your neighborhood. And uh, we're talking now a lot about how the world is going to change after COVID. But we had, um, we were already before uh, facing certain changes, and I think you're facing changes. And nature is always changing, and and climate is changing, and and uh, I think also sustainability is a big part in this whole uh, restart uh, method. And, and um, I think also as a farmer, you need to really think twice how to how to cultivate in a certain way a vineyard or or a farm and and for us biodynamic is always extremely important to try to look at the vineyard from a, a 360 degrees uh, perspective from from a whole closed organism's perspective in a certain way and uh, we as a vineyard normally you would only talk about the monoculture and i think our goal needs to be how can we uh, break up this monoculture and recreate a biodiversity because we, we we all know that only with a biodiversity only with a cow in a vineyard with the manure back in the vineyard we are capable again and able again to fertilize the soil and i think this is the most important thing to how can we the most important question what we have as farmer is how can we keep and maintain and and guarantee and even develop the fertility of our soils and i think that's that's a there therefore biodynamic is a great answer to it the whole biodynamic aspect and what about the changing climate how can you adapt as a wine producer to climate change well, climate change. I think climate change is something what is was what has always been here, and then it's going and it will always be in a certain way. And if you need to think that we are facing with our winery, we are 250 meters, so six, seven hundred feet, and so quite not not even though we are in the middle of the Dolomites, I would say quite in the valley. You know? And um, here, 100 years ago, we had a Riesling planted in this area on 250 meters. And now, 100 years later, so nowadays, we have, Riesling is already planted above six, 700 meters. So it moved already in the last 100 years. So we need to think about how can we adopt. And there are several possibilities, especially here in Aslanija. We can play with altitude, so we can move high up, which is a, a good thing. But the only problem is that, as I mentioned before, um, Viticulture is always also a monoculture, and we need to think how far do we really want to um, interfere as human and change nature to culture. So 
take out the forest and maybe plant vineyards. No, that's always a, how you say, intervention of humans. So maybe there are other possibilities, not going only high up, but maybe we need to find new grape varieties. And and our father was uh, had the courage 30, 40 years ago to uh, get interested in climate change and to get interested in planting new grape varieties from southern parts of France or from Greece, like Asirtico or Usan, Masan, to really see what how d- those grape varieties could fit in a, in a warm with a warmer temp with a warmer temperature and with a changing climate. Yeah. And then there's, yeah. I think, another part which is extremely important where you deal with, I don't know, Gewürztamina and, and our area, Gewürztamina is extremely, um, our area, Adige, is extremely important for Gewürztamina. And here maybe you can deal with skin or stamp contact because they help you to increase the perception of freshness in a certain way. So there are many, mm. many possibilities, I think, but just we yeah. just need to fix them now. I, I know that uh, I once spoke to your father about these new varieties, and he said, oh, yeah, we know how to grow them. He said, the problem is selling them. He says, that's going to be Clemens' problem uh, in the future, not mine, uh, which I kind of laughed at. But uh, we we only have a couple minutes left, but let's talk about the varieties, the Chardonnay and the Pinot Grigio in particular that we have in the market here. How would you describe mm-hmm. that style, say, versus what people are drinking in California or in Burgundy or whatever? How, how What is the Alto Adige style of Chardonnay and, and Pinot Grigio and, and the Legator I style, think, I guess? I think for... I think for both, yeah, that's that's a good point. No, I think also we as a winery, we have our style of, of Chardonnay or Pinot Grigio or in, in general. But I think for both of them, um, one aspect is very uh, doing very well here for, uh, is important for those grape bodies is the Dolomitic limestone. So both of the, especially also the Chardonnay needs this Dolomitic limestone because it gets this, in a certain way, structure, but at the same time, with the alpine, with a with a cooler alpine climate and this cooler breed, we keep the minerality, we keep the freshness, we keep the preciseness uh, from this wine, which is extremely important for us to really make Chardonnay, which is are not just structured, uh, with where yeah, Chardonnay sometimes can tend to be a little bit too structured, but to really give yeah. it this kick, this freshness kick, this preciseness, which is important. This, I think, this the whole combination of terroir, I would say. It gives them a, a certain expression. What maybe in, in Napa is different, or in Bergen is different. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Cle- really have Clemens. Certain, yeah. Clemens, what is your com, um, comet project about? The comets. The comets. Um, the comets is uh, a project. What we started. Uh, yeah, a couple of. Yeah, I would need. I, I would need to say also a couple of years ago because. Uh, a comet is always something which is in the sky, which which leads you, which shows you in a certain way also the future. And we look at uh, our all our experiments, if they were planted from my father 30, 40 years ago, different grape varieties, or if they're now made in the cellar, uh, an experiment is something which leads you, which shows you the future, which which sometimes you, you learn to get to no limits and maybe you go sometimes beyond. But in any case, it leaves you a tr- uh, um, it leaves you something. No? And so each single year, we, we select five to 10 experiments, which we want to share with our customers. And those comments, they change. And comments, these are experiments, these are not our best wines. But they are the, maybe the most interesting, or sometimes the most interesting wines. It's always a, a question what we have, and we want to find an answer with. And this answer we try to uh, share with our partners in a certain way. 
and yeah so these these comments they do what they want in a certain way and they come sometimes they um sometimes they come after and two they, years again or after five years and and yeah yeah that's a little bit our yeah, fun project come. i would say I like how they I, I like how they come and they may come back. Hey, Clemens, it's great to chat with you. What we'll do is we'll stick up uh, uh, on our uh, website and social media. We'll let people know where they can pick up some of your wines this weekend to help support uh, yeah. you guys and what's going on. It's really important that we hear from you and we hear the energy and the positivity from Italy. We know things will come back slowly, but they will come back. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us today on the BC Food and Wine yeah, Radio thanks Network. Very much. Thank you. Thank you okay. much for your time. Hey, you're welcome. Clemens Legator uh, from Alawas Legator. Really a f- fantastic place to visit. The next, uh, the next time you get to go to Italy and you go to northern Italy, you want to stop by there and have lunch at that magnificent uh, winery and restaurant. We'll take a quick break. Uh, plenty more coming up on the BC Food and Wine Radio Show. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Black Hills Estate Winery invites you to raise a glass with them this spring to celebrate the start of their 20th anniversary season. They're offering free shipping when you place an order, purchasing six bottles or more so you can experience some of their new spring releases, like their elegant Chardonnay and Carmenere, while relaxing at home. Check in with them at blackhillswinery.com to find the latest news. And for more information, make sure to like them on Facebook or follow them on Instagram. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. And even though now's not the time to physically explore the Similkameen, you can still get a taste of it. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality into elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven wines. Available online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping to your doorstep now on all orders. At Family-Owned Therapy Vineyards and Inn, their family like yours has made changes to daily routines. Now offering curbside pickup or, as always, order at therapyvineyards.com for convenient delivery to your home. Stay connected with Therapy Vineyards through their newly launched video series along with great spring offers. From their family to yours, they look forward to welcoming you to beautiful Naramata soon. As their labels have stated since 2017, we're in this together. Therapyvineyards.com Barb Holler, owner of Poplar Grove Winery in the Okanagan. When I look out over our vineyards, I think of the potential. The potential for improvement. How can I do things differently? How can I be more sustainable? How can I do things that improve viticulture practice? And bottom line, how can it improve the wine? Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Tell me something good. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're joined now by Mike Daly. He's the Director of Operations for District Wine Village, a brand new concept coming to the Okanagan Valley uh, I think in time for Crush, but uh, more probably more importantly, opening in a big way next year. Mike, how are you? 
Good. Hi, Casey. Tony, how are you guys? Hi, we're uh, great. We're really good uh, and happy to talk about District Wine Village, a, a different concept for the Okanagan. Maybe we'll start there. What is a wine village? Yeah, it's kind of a new phenomenon that's happening around the world. This will be the first one in Canada. And we're going to have 16 production facilities all located in one location in the South Okanagan, right off of Highway 97. And uh, we have a, we'll have a brewery there, and we're working on a distillery, and the rest will be mostly dedicated to wine production. Yeah, so it's under construction now, but uh, you, you tell me that uh, there will be some, some units will be ready for work, like for crushing uh, this harvest in the fall? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is a, this, this uh, building that we're doing, and the buildings that we're doing are part of uh, Greyback Construction. So uh, who's built many wineries over the years in the Okanagan Valley, and this is the Kenyan family that's doing this for, the, for their own uh, family. And uh, we'll be, we're working towards having our first five wineries ready for September this year, so we have the ability to crush for some of the tenants that we are now signing up. And mm. what, Mike, what is the advantage to uh, winemakers and when you're looking to, you know, say you want to open a winery, and uh, is it is it a cost advantage? What what's the real pull to a wine village? Absolutely, Casey. That's exactly what we're doing. So these are small artisan, two to five thousand case wineries, and what we're doing is we're we're licensing them. So we're providing the license, the the building envelope, the the tasting room. It's got a a lounge endorsement for. Uh, for, so you can uh, pour wine at, for your consumers out on the on your own private deck, and they are. We will also have. We're putting in tanks, and we're and the infrastructure for cooling and and glycol uh, for cooling the for, for cooling the tanks. So what we're trying to do is minimize the capital outlay for these artisan uh, winemakers and brewers that want to come into the village with a low capital outlay. Yeah. So, uh, like, there won't be, they won't have bottling lines in all these 16. Will someone come in to do that, or will there be one for the property, or? Yeah, so we're, we designed the village. It's built in a circle or a hub, and we have a service road that's intended for our, our shared crush facility um, and, and things like bottling. So we'll have the, you have the ability to bring in the mobile bottling line right to back of door, and then they can go on to the next winery or, or move on to another location. So the whole build is an infrastructure is built around accommodating uh th- those type of needs uh what about uh, quality like you like can i sign up and go in there and do what i want are there any restrictions on the kind of yeah. product i make or how, how do you will you control yeah. that or at we, least push it in some direction yeah we really want to the for people to be able to um uh, share and and create their own artisan products the only stipulation that we have is that uh, this is about BC agri-food products, and all of our all of the wines that are produced there will have to be BC VQA and produced with 100% BC grape content. Um, nice. That's that's the only restriction that we have in place. And Mike, um, what will the breakdown be between wineries, cideries, and uh, breweries? Uh, I would say we're, we're we're and as people are signing up, we'll be predominantly winery focused. Um, but uh, we have a brewer that's coming in, and they're super excited because not everybody, when you come in in these groups, and we're going to have the ability to uh, accept uh, the tourist bus and so forth uh, coming in uh, unannounced into our facility because we have that infrastructure built in place and turnarounds for buses and so forth and and for cars. Uh, We have car charging stations for electric vehicles. 
Um, so that's the whole premise behind is having that ability to, to, to have people come in and enjoy. We have a culinary building as well. Uh, so we'll have food services there and uh, focusing yeah. once again on local artisan uh, food. Our guest is Mike Daly. He's the Director of Operations at District Wine Village, uh, planning to open next year uh, in the South Okanagan, but ready for some people, this crush. Uh, Mike, well, who is the customer? Who is this person that you're looking for uh, that, that's coming to see you? Is, he, is it a guy? Is it a woman? Are they 100 years old? Are they 20 years old? What, what is it? Yeah, it, it's been a, a mixed combination on several fronts. Growers who might not have the great location off the highway or aren't fully prepared to spend three or four million dollars to build their own winery and not knowing if they can sell their own product successfully so that's been a, a big forefront so that offer that's a, a huge opportunity for, for some of the growers in, in the Okanagan Valley we've had many inquiries and, and people with of interest that are established or fledging winemakers in industry that are looking to begin their own business and create their own craft in their own way so other front, and we've had interest and inquiries from established wineries who are looking to start a second brand or a second label for themselves as well. Ah, so. That's cool. great. What about planting vines? Will if a winemaker, you know, a young winemaker comes to you and says, "I want to plant a few acres," can you provide that also? Yeah, that's. That is not our, our focus, to be honest with you. We have um, we've planted acreage, uh, some grapes around the village, and that's more for aesthetics uh, more than anything. But um, there is uh, a number of uh, larger uh, uh, growers in the valley who are, have, have grapes available if the growers don't, or they're, 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 or, look, or they're looking into the marketplace to buy grapes on their own, basically. Yeah. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about COVID, but has it impacted you? And uh, opening next year, does that? I, I assume it gives you a chance to see what's going on and how people will will uh, conduct business. Are you thinking about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. COVID obviously uh, has, has affected us all, but I think we're feeling extremely fortunate. Uh, as you're probably aware, construction falls under essential services, so we've been able to continue along with the build on the village. So. We haven't lost any ground in that front, so we've been very fortunate on that side. And we're also very fortunate the fact that if we were going to be opening the village uh, this this year, it would obviously have been a, not an ideal situation for us. But uh, our plan is late spring of next year, so we're hoping that most of the dust will settle and we will uh, be on the road to recovery by that time. Uh, we're very optimistic of that, and so we're feeling uh, you know that we're in the right position for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about sales itself? Will they be right at the winery, or is there a central store that would sell all of the products on, in the village? How is that going to work? Each each winery building is individually licensed and will have their own uh, front-of-house sales. So they'll, they'll be selling their own product that's under their own control, and, right. and they'll have to meet the regulations of licensing when they do so. And then there will be a wine club associated, which is a nice a nicety of the of the wine village will be able to, for the, for those returning customers or customers who have uh, purchased product and uh, and you've now made a connection with, we'll have a, uh, a, a club that will have the ability to direct deliver to consumers as well over the long term. Uh, it seems like you've thought of everything. But did, have you looked at a lot of facilities before you got involved in this? Uh, I'm hoping Yeah, you know. we did. 
there's there's one there's one there's Tin City you may be familiar with in in California. There's yeah. uh, one in Yakima uh, and, and Prosser and the uh, Prosser, and then there's um, there's one just outside of Seattle, but that's more of a storefront style, um, which is they're doing extremely well as uh, yeah. as well. But um, and uh, but there it's 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 a no brainer because it's a one stop shop for people. Um, it's a des- become it's becoming a destination onto its own. So and I it, people will come to our come to the village and then venture off to other wineries and and vice versa. I think it'll be their their first stop or their or their last stop at the end of the day on their wine tours and um, and and then we have the ability to to keep them entertained and and uh, and uh, keep them and give them a, a great variety of product all in one location. Yeah. District Wine Village. So we say this is at the north end of Oliver. Is that a good thing to say, or how would you describe the it, actual it, it location? Is just, just past Gallagher Lake. If you're heading heading to the north, uh, right. It's right off the highway, uh, just just at the Mac and McIntyre Bluffs, kind of our uh, backdrop. Um, nice. And the official turnoff from both locations off the highway and, and signage and so forth. Um, so it, it it's 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 easy to find, yeah. and uh, you can. And you can also go on to districtwinevillage.com, and we'll, that'll lead you to the way as well. And, and, and we'll answer any questions. We have an inquiry page there. Uh, we're still looking to uh, bring more wineries into the village. Um, so that's our focus over the next few months. And, and yep. uh, we can answer any of those questions that uh, um, individuals have for us. And you yes. have a large amphitheater, and I can't wait for your opening, Mike. <laughs> oh, be amazing. We're, starting to, we're going to start booking up events for that and entertainment and then there will be times when it might be someone playing a piano down in the center square uh depending on the, the day or, or or time of year right so and then we, we we've uh, just to give you another uh little insight we've we've actually just came up just to extend our season the, the business plans built around it, as it is in the okanagan around the eight eight months of the year and but we're going to take our center oval that we're, we have for um, for entertainment, and we're actually going to put in uh, uh, pipes into the ground below slab, and we're going to actually turn it into a, an ice oval for the winter for the locals to come and visit us as well. So, mm. Sounds like you're uh, ready to roll. We see a bit of time and a bit more construction. Mike, thanks so much uh, for joining us today to speak about District Wine Village uh, correct you are districtwinevillage.com if you want to contact them or you have more questions about uh, how this is going to work if you're interested in opening a winery and uh, this is your chance uh, check it out there thank you mike thanks to you both have a great day you too see you soon mike daly director of operations district wine village just outside of the town just north of the town of oliver on your way to the uh Famous McIntyre Bluff. Casey, have you climbed McIntyre Bluff? <laughs> I haven't, Tony. I'm, no, I'm going to be in the wine village. I'm going to be in that amphitheater. I'll, I'll climb up the top of the bluff and I'll wave at you. Yeah, this I want to see. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Up next, uh, Ian Tossenson joins us. He's the head of the BC uh, Restaurant Association, and we are going to talk about uh, the reopening, the slow reopening of restaurants across the province. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. 
The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save on Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save on Foods locations. For special offers in store and online, visit saveonfoods.com/wine. Cullman, a family estate winery, reminds you that it's time to join the 2020 Fellowship and reap the rewards. Cullman's Fellowship not only brings people together through their love of Cullman's wines, it also features exclusive benefits only available to members, like access to the number series, Cullman's small lot program, as well as unreleased library and rare wines from their portfolio. For details, visit Cullman.ca. Cullman, a family estate winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. The team at Spirit Ridge would like to send out heartfelt thank yous to everyone. Thank you to the community. Thanks to the frontline workers at hospitals and care homes for keeping our loved ones safe. And to all our fire and police personnel. And thank you to all those who are helping and working hard to make us stronger. Spirit Ridge Resort. Stay strong and we'll be here for you. Part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Visit spiritridge.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, our next friend, uh, I don't know if he was, uh, uh, how well he knew Dr. Bonnie Henry, but I imagine they're almost attached at the hip uh, this month. Ian Tostenson is the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association, which is slowly getting ready to reopen. Ian, welcome to the show. We have a ton of questions, and uh, I'm going to start with what people are saying in surveys, and I, I think it's so true that about a third of uh, guests are ready to come back, a third are thinking about it, and a third are not coming back until they get a vaccine. Uh, it's crazy out there. Yeah, it really is, um, and, and thanks for having me on. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the pent-up demand, I mean, those that don't will never come out of their houses, I don't think even there's a vaccination. So that's really difficult for the restaurant owner to kind of plan this through. So they're dealing with all sorts of stuff. Unknowns is because they have to provide a uh, safe environment for staff and their yeah. guests. And, uh, but, you know, some employees are, are really, you know, a little bit reluctant to come back. They don't know what it's like. Some, some uh, clients or um, guests are the same way. Like what's it going to look like? You know, are we going to be wearing hazmat suits? All that kind of stuff. Right. So <laughs> it's going to take a while for us to, to yeah. get the communication right and, you know, assure everybody that, you know, our provincial good friend, Dr. Henry, would never allow uh, us to open it if she didn't feel comfortable that we could do it in a, yeah. in a good way. Yes, and of- fortunately, the people I hang out with can't wait to get back to a restaurant after cooking for themselves. Yeah, I know. That's that, that's so true. And I, and I we have a big push right now with the municipal governments all across British Columbia on patios. And we're, we have overwhelming support by uh, municipal governments to expand patios, to put them in you know alleyways, parking stalls, on the sidewalks, because it's a, it's a health and safety issue. Because, again, Dr. Henry felt, feels that's a better place to be. But it also helps a little bit with the capacity issue, because we're 
when we open, we are under an order that no more than 50%. And as, as you guys know, no restaurant can operate at 50% capacity. No. That won't no. last very long. You're telling your members, uh, one of the things you're telling your members is be different and be great. And talk about what you're doing differently. I think it's a great idea. Will they pick up on that? Yeah, I think you're going to see, you know, in typical style of hospitality, uh, you're going to find innovation. Um, we were talking to someone yesterday about, you know, branded masks. I think you'll see a lot of restaurants will, will start off with face masks. Um, mm-hmm. That's more probably a perception than anything else. But, you know, you might see some branded masks. Um, you know, the rules of the game going into this is no more than six people at a table. And you need to be two meters or six feet apart from uh, the tables around you. And you'll see all sorts of visible cues on sanitation. So, as I say, the, the things that the restaurants were doing before the, uh, you know, the, the, pandem- the pandemic, uh, they're just going to bring it out in the open so you can see it more. You're going to see more evidence of cleaning, more separation of um, the serving staff will be serving food only. There'll be a cleaning staff that deals with dirty dishes, and there'll be, of course, the kitchen staff. So, you know, all in all, I mean, it's not going to be uh, much different. Um, you won't be standing in line. You're going to probably ask to be brought in in much, much more orderly fashion. But I think that, you know, people, uh, I really believe just the behavior I see with people, that's what they want to see. They want that discipline. They want that safety. And I think by, by doing it that way, we're going to be a lot better off long-term and to get the confidence back in the general public. Yeah. We're speaking with Ian Tossenson. Uh, he's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. I'm very curious about what are menus going to look like and how are they going to change and what about takeout? Yeah, so there's been interesting things there. The recommendation, so we, we actually wrote this report. It was actually really cool. And Tony, I think you'll appreciate this. We had 60 of the top restaurant people in British Columbia that worked with us, and in nine days we put a report together for yeah, I, I read the open. list. It was an impressive yeah. list of people. Yeah. It truly was, right? And they were so, you know, everybody was so focused. I mean, trying to get restaurant people to agree on things, but they were 100% focused to the point that, the, you know, we were recognized by both the premier and the lieutenant governor. I mean, that, and it's that, the reason I say that is because the, premier, the government recognizes the importance of this industry, and when the industry heard that the Premier had reached out, and so the lieutenant governor just motivated them even more to say, you know what, there is some hope here. It was the greatest sign of hope that we've had in three months. But anyways, um, we did the report, and uh, and then through that, Casey, one of the things um, that's curious that happened in two days, we were able to get, in working with Jeff over at Abel, we were able to get delivery of alcohol with food delivery, which which was amazing. That was so, that was the best thing, honestly. Everybody was talking about it. And you know, it's, oh my God, how many years has this taken? This should have happened years ago. It's just, but it's absolutely wonderful. Well, and it, it really shows how a government can move quick if it needs to, and it and it shows that. That would have typically been a Tony maybe a ten year project to try to get something like that bad in. We got it done in two days. Oh, that was and it was crazy. So, so the takeout is going to be really on for the going on uh, in the future is going to be very important. We're trying to deal with some of the high commissions that skip the dishes and Uber Eats charge. They can be up to thirty percent, which is crazy. So we're trying to do what they did in California and Washington State, where they curbed the fees down to fifteen percent. So you'll see that, you'll see in, in, in store dining, you'll see the patios. The patio is another interesting one where we almost have a frenzy going on between municipalities as who could get yeah. uh, patio expansion 
first. And I guarantee you last year in the city of Vancouver, if you wanted to apply for patio, you might get it by Christmas. Like it was not burdensome in terms of red tape and red tape and regulation, but all that stuff is being moved. And it's really gratifying to see that the, um, you know, the, the, the government um, people and the economy is so needing restaurants. I mean, it's uh, 15,000 restaurants, 190,000 people, 90,000 yeah. of those are between the ages of 15 and 24, which is incredibly important to get them working. So, um, yeah, that's where it's I sitting think, at. But I mm-hmm. was thinking, Ian, when you're mentioning patios, uh, like spend, you know, one, spend a half a day in Melbourne and see what they've done with the lanes in Melbourne behind all the buildings. And it's it's fantastic. And it's something we, you know, we should have been doing anyways, because that's my next question. What? Are you telling what are your people saying because let's just take a guess that half of their half of their guests are tourists and they won't be here which means it's only the locals that are going to be available how how will they reconnect with locals Yeah so I, I think the stat is about 20% um it's about probably higher downtown uh, Vancouver 20% is um is the tourism effect to restaurants uh, you know, honestly, um, we're going to do a program that we've been doing, but we're going to go into overdrive. Uh, again, this is, you know, the government loves this. Uh, Eat, drink local. We'll get um, uh, the BC wine industry, Able, uh, and all the pubs, uh, Crap Brewer Guild, and ourselves, and, and push us all throughout British Columbia. So we've got to get the domestic consumer uh, out enjoying themselves. And I think that's why the government's so keen about doing some things here, because they realize that, you know, if we have more patios and more, you know, as you say, the, you know, using creative spaces for patios, Tony, that um, mm-hmm. it's just going to encourage more people to go out and, you know, spend some money and get the economy going and go to the retailer next door. So it's going to really be an effort, I think, for the next year to, um, of course, well, you know, because we don't we won't have the tourists. But then, of course, um, we're limited to not so much at restaurants do this, but, you know, any groups uh, have to be less than 50. So any private functions or weddings have to be less than 50 but we think if we do this right which we will that you know we'll slowly ease those restrictions and maybe get to 60 and maybe 75 percent you know yeah. maybe by you know somewhere in the middle of the summer well we have to be responsible right we have we have to show i think we have to prove particularly to uh, dr henry that we can do it before she's going to give us any more rope i think oh yeah you're right i mean if you you know if going down the the aisle way is save on truths the wrong way is any indication of the kind of trouble you're going to get into if you don't do it right because <laughs> i did <laughs> yeah. that and i went i'm so sorry and i had to back out and it was a lady literally in a hazmat suit going you should know better <laughs> and i think service is going to be fantastic in the business because there, yeah. there won't be as many servers with the you know cutting back in the beginning so you're going to have the top people in the restaurants yeah you are and um you know, and I think you're going to see a lot of, of the public are actually going to be, you know, the responsibility of a safe environment. The public is going to drive that as well. The interesting uh, question that Dr. Henry answered, I had no answer for this, and I think maybe Samantha probably did, but um, how safe is it to be a server? And she said, uh, well, it's, it's perfectly fine because you're going to see the server bring the food to the table and then back away. You're not going to be hanging out and talking. So, that, you know, that, that sort of, you know, 20 or 30 seconds to drop the food off is not enough uh, to cause any, you know, potential problems. 
And so it's a very safe environment. But you will see probably, I think, as I said, some servers wearing uh, masks to begin with. Yeah. Ian, uh, we asked you if you could stick around, so we will take a quick break. Before we do, though, uh, you're also talking about, you have an idea about partnerships, uh, creating and promoting partnerships. Well, how does, what does that mean and how will that work? Well, you know, um, interestingly, um, you know, you find all, what we set out to do is find common interests with everybody. Um, we, you can't do this alone. I mean, we didn't have, you know, we don't have a core in all the ideas. And so we brought in, you know, Able BC, which was, you know, a parallel organization, like after bars, pubs, restaurants, and private retailers, and brought the best of them, and like the best of food and wine, right? So we brought the best of them. We've got, you know, the wine industry, which we, you know, worked with before in the past, put them on alert and then also the brewers because the t- like tasting rooms are a common example uh how do you open the tasting room and, and the regulations around that a lot of the regulations uh, or guidelines will feed off of the report we did so um so the three and f- the three or four of us have been working really hard and it gives us much more credibility with government because you know um the minister of agriculture is telling the story in vancouver island they had a, a surplus of potatoes because so many restaurants were closed. There was no French fries, and the potato farmers were like surpluses. So the, the the impact on the food supply and growers and beverage producers in the province has been really tough too in the in the industry. So that's why it's you know working together uh, with everybody to to get this thing back up at some respectable level is key. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with Ian Tossin. We'll take a quick break, but we're going to come back. We've got a couple of big questions for Ian uh, regarding wine and restaurants. So uh, stick around. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Come and get married in the land of Ing at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort for you, your family, and your friends. Farm to table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and whining, laughing and celebrating. Deep in wine country. <laughs> Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Finhorn Creek Vineyards is now offering you the exclusive opportunity to take advantage of free shipping when you place an order purchasing over six bottles. Send wine to someone you love to show them you're thinking of them this season. Now, while their tasting bar remains closed, their award-winning Miradoro restaurant is offering takeout, so you can experience the flavors of Tinhorn from the comfort of your home. Online and telephone orders are also available for curbside pickup. For the latest updates, please visit tinhorn.com. 
Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're now offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We're all hunkering down and preparing for weeks of social distancing. Hillside is here to make it just a little bit easier. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson, and we do like to party. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, our guest is Ian Tossenson. He's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant uh, Association. Ian, you mentioned earlier some of the things that are changing uh, would normally take 10 years, I would say a lifetime, at least of my <laughs> lifetime, trying to get yeah. some things changed. One of the biggest, uh, uh, most positive things I've heard after, during, and before or at the end of this COVID, uh, you know, part one, is the possibility of getting a real wholesale price for restaurants. I think uh, it's desperately required. It's got to be the real thing, not some made-up, you know, price. Or what can you tell us? Where are you at? Well, and what, for, what's available? First of all, I don't think people even realize that restaurants pay retail prices for wine. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, restaurants pay the same price as we pay. And um, as a result, um, you know, it's always been, you know, and Tony's written about this for years, you know, the pressure on pricing, and um, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, south of the border, wholesale pricing was unnatural. The government put together a group called BTAP, um, Business Technical Advisory Panel. It was comprised of the wineries, uh, restaurants, uh, breweries, uh, craft beer guild and um we looked at we made some recommendations i think we made 24 recommendations going back uh, as we call i call it the mark hicken report and it goes back about two years and one of the very first or one of the very top recommendations was wholesale pricing um and we we struggled with that um you know we struggled for months if not you know over the year and it was you know credit total credit to uh, david Eby, minister Eby. Um, when he was a critic, when the Liberals were in power, he was always in favor of, of wholesale pricing. But I think when he realized he got into the chair, it's a little bit difficult because there's money involved in this, uh, depending on how you look at it. So when the um, when the crisis hit, um, we quickly took those recommendations and got them down about three or four. And they were crisis recommendations. And the, and the number one recommendation, again, was wholesale price because – and suddenly so took a whole different context because now the government saw it as this is a necessary economic lever that the industry totally needs versus maybe before it was in the old world, maybe nice to and maybe not necessary. Now it's completely necessary. And so when you when you do takeout or delivery of alcohol with food and, and um, as this comes into play, the, the margins could be significant. So one restaurant group had four, has four restaurants that this could actually maybe cover off some of the costs of my labor costs increases that I had for the last couple of years and um, give me a fighting chance. So it is totally necessary. It totally makes sense. Um, honestly, I don't think you can see people going, hey, let's put the prices down right now. I think restaurants in earnest are going to have to keep that margin to uh, keep themselves whole, at least for, you know, the next six months. 
And I, you know, in terms of timing, uh, Tony and Casey, I, yeah, I think it's, it's eminent. I mean, it's, you know, it has to go through a very sort of um, quiet pres- or, uh, uh, approval, but all systems are go. I mean, I talked to the minister about a week and a half ago, and he's like enthusiastic. So we got to make this happen. So he's the champion. And I, I, re- I don't think that there's, well, there's always a chance, right? But I, I think we're 99% the way there, and we're, we expect a, 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 um, an announcement anytime, I think in the next week probably. Great. And Mark Hicken is a lawyer who's been very involved in the industry. Yeah, Mark was the calm one and uh, led us through because we're all, you know, we're all very passionate about what we do. And uh, Mark steered us um, in his in his way of his style of doing it and was able to put together the report. The, the other uh, recommendations really dealt with, um, you know, more sort of tidying up on um, uh, problems associated in wine, particularly around uh, restricted products, you know, products that are you know, ordered special in quotation marks and don't yep. appear in LDB stores and trying to smooth that out. I know you've written about that, Tony. And there's yeah. been a, a really good, again, uh, you know, the crisis, is, well, how do we clear all this up? And the crisis has been in, in some ways, I mean, it's horrible. I, I get that. And it's horrible for every restaurant and every person in it. But in a way, it's, it's opened the doors very quickly for, for reforms that were well overdue. Yeah. Yes, they uh, sure were. Well, just one one thing, and I, yeah, geez, I hope it happens, and I hope it happens quick. I hear the word local all the time. I get it. I understand it, and I fully support it. But you know, the the people who sell wine, who even sell you know international wine, which is very important in our market as well. Yes. Uh, it's a local business. Hiring local people, doing you know, selling wines to locals in local restaurants. So it's you know, everybody's involved in this fight. It's not uh, it's not just one sector. It's every and if we don't pull it together in one shot, uh, because I only think we're going to get one shot. Otherwise, there'll be a massive reset, and uh, uh, God knows how that'll go. Uh, so I hope oh, it yeah. happens. I mean, this is not anything that we want to be, you know, oh, we, we didn't do it right. Let's close down. And you're right. There's a lot of agents. Uh, you know, it's 50% of the market. Uh, great import wines in the province that we can't overlook. And I, I'm a big fan of that. We can't, you know, this is you can't leave anybody behind. You can't do things no. to exclude from others. We, you know, we're going to obviously emphasize British Columbia. It's a pride thing. But uh, the whole, that's not the whole market is drinking BC wine. I mean, in wine. It's not, well, you know, we don't have enough market. anyway. Yeah, we don't have right. enough BC wine. So it's all right. good. And uh, Well, I hope it happens. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let you go without asking you what are menus going to look like. I mean, physically look like. Are you? Are we going to be handling menus? How is that going to change? Uh, you will see disposable paper menus. Environmental nightmare, but that's what we're going to do. Um, I don't think restaurants want to be washing every menu every time it's touched. You're going to see. I was actually uh, talking to some a company today in Vancouver that, that does. Uh, menus as soon as you come in, you do a QR code on your phone, and uh, you can pick up the menu in the restaurant there. So you're going to see uh, more touchless, less paper, less touch points along the way. But um, I think you'll just see, you know, you'll get the menu. It'll it'll probably be, um, in some cases, a reduced menu. I think restaurants will sort of, you know, fish where the higher margin things are and the easier ones to produce on the menu are initially yeah. and uh, not make it too complicated. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, it should work fine. Ian, uh, again, we're almost out of time, but I have so many questions. So DoorDash, all these different things, Uber, they all come together in one, in sort of one package now. Uh, will will they all survive? Is that working well? Uh, because there was some resistance from restaurants about the prices for delivery and all that. Well, yes, because some of them were I mean, too high. 
Well, yeah, they don't like me. I mean, they're really mad at me. And I said, well, guys, come on. I mean, who fought your battle uh, for, you know, two years getting ride-sharing into the province? And then suddenly now when we come to you and say, would you mind backing off on your commissions of 25 or 30%? And we're getting, you know, well, you know, we have international platforms and stuff. And so I actually, um, <laughs> I wrote the government and said, you know what, do what Seattle did. Just put a temporary, you know, call, call it 15% for three or four or five months and let the industry recover um, because there is no industry right now, as we know it, everybody's yeah. unemployed. So yes. it's, it's a tough one. I, you know, if that doesn't happen, I hope to see innovation, tech, you know, technological, local innovation. There are some companies like the Okanagan right now that are doing, you know, delivery and, and order for around less than 15%. So um, competition yeah, should possible. solve that one. Yeah, I mean, guys are selling a lot of food um, with, you know, takeout or in delivery, but they're not making any money. That no, exactly. Thanks, well, Ian. Uh, really appreciate your time. I know you got to run. We've got to run too. Uh, but uh, we'll stay in. Let's stay in touch as uh, yep. things change, as I'm sure they will. Always. Thank you very much, you guys. Thank You're you. You're welcome, Ian Tossison, uh, President and uh, CEO, of the BC Restaurant Association. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, so many questions, Casey. Uh, we can't fit them all in, but uh, it's going to be interesting times for the next uh, next half a year for sure. Very interesting and great to get some of those ideas yeah, about what, what love, they're going to do. Yeah, and what I love most is I think it's not teaching, but it's it's illustrating to people how connected all of these things are, growing wine, making wine, selling food, everything. Uh, think about it, folks. It's one big pot. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.